You have your mic? I do. Do you have your mixer up? Let me uh, open it up. I think your gain might be a little hot. Okay. That's Asad Raza, who guest hosted episode 113 with Frank Subchak. As you know, I advertise for people to come on the show. One thing that I feel holds people back is that they might think that they have to be excellent speakers. This is not true. So to demonstrate, this episode is a rough cut and is an example of how all episodes sound before going through editing. So if you want to come on the show but are worried about embarrassing yourself, I will edit out the flubbles so listeners can focus on your story. Beyond that, Assad has some great points about civil affairs, finally tune his mic, and he gives feedback about the subcheck episode. So, enjoy. Hey, I really, I, you do some really good interviews. You are very, uh, yeah, you're really good. Thanks. I don't pull punches, you know? <laughs> and I, I do do a lot of pre-talking with them to get them warmed up. Okay. Which makes a big difference. Oh, here it is. Okay, got it. So it has some preset menus. Um, yep. Oh, you found it? Oh, good, good, yep. good. Let, let me know what you think of this, because you may disagree. Yeah. Uh, I was just talking to a fellow CA person over Drill Weekend. Mm-hmm. His name was Abdulli. He works for USAID. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at the core tasks. And one of them is anti-corruption. And I then he talked about putting together an abstract or a paper that builds out that core task to where we work when we're in the field and we're working with the agencies and we're working with the populations on the ground. It helps us to spot corruption growing mm-hmm. in, in the like contracting and grant process mm-hmm. and how we can leverage both our influence and the agency influence to so we don't build huge armies like the one in Iraq or in yeah. Afghanistan just right. to watch them collapse when we need them, you know, right, right. Some, to where we're actually building, you know, relationships closer to what's going on in Ukraine, where we actually are supporting a force that wants to be there and do the right thing. Right. Well, so I, I think that's the thing. It's identifying a, a partner that's semi-established already and that we right. just support them uh, with the capabilities and the funding that they need to be able to accomplish the mission, right? Because, you know, the difference between an indigenous force and a U.S. force, uh, an indigenous right. force on the ground, they're fighting for their livelihoods. So we have to identify those partners that are willing to fight the fight. You know, when we go, when we go to war, we go to combat, we're not fighting for Afghanistan. We're not fighting for Iraq. We're fighting for our brothers to our left and right and survival to go back home. Our families, you know, aren't impacted. Nobody's impacted by this except us, right? And the guys right. here left and right. So it's a completely different. So, you know, identifying the guys that have shared objectives with us, uh, yeah. but not wanting to force our objectives on them, if that makes sense. Because that's gotcha. where the corruption comes in. That's when they're like, hey, okay, whatever you guys say, we'll do it because you're giving us money and you're giving us guns. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So, perfect. Okay. So you had a chance to talk to Frank Subject. And listening to the interview, it was really interesting to see how passionate he was about language. I mean, the guy really, he, it was his whole career, right? Yes. You know, Frank is a very unique special forces officer, right? He speaks 3-3 Spanish. He was raised in Miami. He speaks 3-3 Arabic. And it's just amazing. And I think that was his interest in, in the reason behind why he did this research. Right. But he also found some crazy nuggets that really blew my mind in, in this interview. He did. He did. He kind of, you know, him being uh, a linguist and, you know, 3-3 Spanish, 3-3 uh, Arabic, 
found that language wasn't as important as needed uh, to have an effective partner force. Kind of broke his heart. <laughs> I, I think so, right? But it, it but it does show the effectiveness of you know our special forces partners training, you know, in Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, the language was uh, was a minimal was a minimal part. It was more of the training aspect behind it. Right, the familiarity of those forces with the partner nation, and also the smaller training size. It sounded like they went with smaller groups, more personable, lived with them. It it became you know, a brotherhood, a sisterhood. So I think that's fantastic. You know, I think that's one unique thing about the Special Forces Regiment that they do go, uh, you know, to the same areas most of the time. So they usually partner with the same, uh, the same forces. You know, it might not be the exact same people every time, but they know somebody that knows somebody. Right. And I think that obvious, for SOF, I think that the train and equip side of their mission, often gets not as much sunlight as they're kicking in doors and taking out bad guys because it's not as sexy. But the ramifications, like he was talking about in Colombia, of turning a whole population you know, through good force development to support the government and pressure the FARC to negotiate was a huge contributor. And it's, it's so much more powerful than what people give it credit for. Absolutely, you know, you know I, I'm, I'm a very uh, support, you know, I'm very supportive of, you know, the persistent engagement and continuous engagement with our partner forces because the long-term engagements like that and these long-term partnerships do, you know, not just build partner capacity, but do influence beyond that to the strategic level, which we can see in Colombia. So I think that's a really good example. Yeah. But is there anything else that really struck you out of talking with them or from your knowledge? Because you know the guy. You, you've been around him for a while, right? I, I don't know him. I've known of him. Uh, so, yeah, but I, I, I've never worked with him directly. Oh, okay. I thought maybe he was like a ghost that appeared in your window at night or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Frank, get out of here. <laughs> I'm going brush my teeth. <laughs> uh. All right, all right. The truth of subject, he does not show up at your window. Got he it. does not. No. <laughs> but I, but I definitely think the uh, you know the audience is really going to enjoy uh, the conversation and kind of like you mentioned, you know, they're really you can really see the passion behind it. Uh, you know, we, you know behind his research and kind of like you said, I think he was a little heartbroken that language is not as important as he thought. Not saying it's not important uh, because I think it does contribute uh, to developing rapport and everything else. Uh, but initially, it, it may not be as important if, if when you're trying to build an effective fighting force. Yeah, and we've all been there. We've all, you know, like ground our soul into believing that this is the thing that's going to make the difference. And you train and you fight and you train in the fight and then you test and you go, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he brought up a good, he, he brought up a good, you know, point, right? It, it's hard for the schoolhouses to keep up with the, the language, you know, demands that is needed out there, right? Because it's shifting so quickly, right? So, right. you know, by the time they got Pashtun and Dari established at the schoolhouse, we're already withdrawing out of Afghanistan. Right. And people grow old. I mean, they get their language skills, they do their tours, and then they get tired and get out. And so you have to constantly be churning out new, young, and, you know, bright and capable people to, to fall, follow with that flow. So right. it's, it can be brutal. 
But in uh, another thing here, you might, you can probably edit this in. So yeah, there was one thing that really uh, that kind of hit me was the language scores within the special forces communities, right? You know, he went through and you know seeing it. I mean, the small numbers of people that were at the two two and three three levels that speak certain languages. Uh, again, he doesn't know. You know, he saw a lot of three threes for Korean. His assumptions were that they're probably you know. Korean Americans that speak Korean, probably not taught at right. the schoolhouse. Uh, and the same thing with the Spanish speakers, right? But all the other languages were, uh, the numbers are very low. Uh, the populations are very low of, you know, high language uh, scores. So would it be more, make more sense to recruit people from that culture that are Americans into SOF? You know, well, my name's Asad Raza. So well, you know, I'm, I'm biased, so I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what is your nationality? I have no idea. Oh, so uh, I'm half uh, I'm half Indian. Uh, my dad was born in India, and half Guatemalan. Cool. Yeah. So oh. and, and met in Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, I see those combinations so often. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But I would say, yeah, you know, I think it's a lot more, you know, it, you know, first generation uh, Americans. I think uh, potentially would be a good. Uh, target for the rec for recruitment within like special operations, specifically special forces, civil affairs, psychological operations, they have a little bit more, uh, uh, more focus on, you know, what's it called partner forces and, you know. Sure, yeah. sure. Family. Right, they've got those, those cultural nuances that at, at times just, you know, your average person that, or even, even your linguist that's gone to a school and can speak a 3-3 Spanish or a 3-3, you know, whatever language, right? Uh, they don't have mm -hmm. those cultural nuances that, you know, people from the area or they've been raised within that culture have, right? It's just, yeah, you know, somebody coming, you know, it's, we even have that here in the United States, right? Somebody that's, you know, from New York coming down to, you know, Southern Georgia, you know, they're not gonna, you know, those little cultural nuances there, they're not gonna know those little words, eh, you know, so even within our own country. So imagine, you know, adding next extra two or three layers uh, of differences. Right, which also could be a, an impediment in a way, because if you're so bought into that culture, even if you're an American, but I, I don't, I, I can't imagine that happening. If someone's a first generation American Indian or an American Guatemalan, I mean, there you are, or <laughs> someone who is like my wife, is not so embedded that she can't pull herself out. Right. But she is able to engage the population far better than I could. Right, right. So I do see an advantage in that. And that might be something that Frank might want to look at in the future is the viability of first-generation people as soft soldiers because they come with the, like, you know, because it brings in the language, it brings in the culture, and all they have to do then is learn their soft skills and how to train and equip. Right. So that might be, that might be the genius uh, button right there. Yeah, I mean, that's nothing new, right? I think, uh, you know, in World War II, you know, the French Canadians and everything else to go help the French resistance. So, right. it's, yeah, we've done it in the past. Matter of fact, I, <laughs> I used to be in the 91st Division out of Pleasanton, California. And we had this old Medal of Honor World War II guy that would hang out with us. He won his Medal of Honor by surviving for 10 days on nothing, knife fighting the Germans to keep him from overrunning his position. I mean, brutal. brutal. Wow. 
And he was talking about how one of his friends was a New Yorker and Italian. And there was, he, they were on the road and they were coming up to an area where the Italians were holding a position in the hills. And he's like, you know, they're shooting at him and they're taking cover. And he's like, this, this doesn't make sense. This is where my dad grew up. This is, this is my town. And he goes running up the hill and they're, and he's screaming at him and they're trying to shoot him. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then he, he can hear him talking to him and they're talking back. And then suddenly it's quiet for a while. And all 500 of these Italians came down the hill and went to the back, gave up their weapons and went back home. Oh, wow. And yeah, that's a, that's 500 to one success because right. he was able to talk to him and, and connect with them. So right. obviously there's value there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Right. I think that's, you know, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm curious how that's, you know, going on in, in Ukraine and Russia, right. Uh, you know, potentially right. uh, th- there may be, even though we don't hear about it, there may be some similar situations happening over there with the Russians and the re- Ukrainians. Probably, probably very much so. Yeah. Is there any other thoughts? Are you going on any trips? Or are you doing anything good? No, I mean, I just retired or I. Congratulations. I, I, yeah, thanks. I mean, I just, are you out of the force? I, one March is my uh, official retirement date. So I'm just burning leave now. <laughs> I'm on I'm on terminal leave. Dead man walking. It'll be interesting to see what happens when you become unmuzzled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, I yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I'm I'm think yeah, I've thought about uh kind of distancing myself away from like DOD and you know civil affairs. Uh but you know, I, I still have a heart, you know. Uh, I have, is, uh, there's a place in my heart for it, so I'll still continue. Uh I like the I like the one CA podcast. Uh I'll still help out with some of the Unoma Journal stuff. I might write. I might write a little bit uh, once in a while, but I'm trying to. Uh, I'm gonna say disengage 100%, but I'm trying to uh, find another space. I guess. So, you know, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to get our content up weekly now versus every two weeks. Oh, really? So okay. If you want to do commentary or you hear a podcast that you want to import in. Okay. Well, I've already good. gotten comments from people saying, this is cool. You're bringing in other podcasts. I'm like, yeah. And there's SMA. I've been talking to them about doing it as well. I've not gotten the official yes yet, but there's a couple of shows where I was interviewed and I think I'm going to pull those, test it and say, all right, this is what it's going to look like. Okay. If this is good with you, then let's set up a sharing agreement and, mm-hmm. and I think they'll be fine. Okay. And that way we're bringing in other people's content. We can still do at least two weeks mm-hmm. out of the month. And then on the inter- interim weeks, we can do other things, right, whatever right. we want. Like when I had Rick Riccio, Matt CSM Riccio playing guitar, um, piano. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for, for, yeah, yeah, for Christmas. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure that got annoying after a while for people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least you got, you're, you're putting stuff out there. So that's good. Exactly. And and it took a few edits to get it right. But the, the final product on Christmas Day, I thought was really nice. So I left that one and I deleted all the others. So Oh, did you delete all the other ones? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which is fine. Yeah. That was that was the important one. And that and then I'm I've got some storage of his I've got some of his music in storage so that if we have a holiday and I don't feel like doing anything, I can just put some songs up. <laughs> oh, perfect. Hey, if there's you know, if if there's any, you know, you know, if you don't want to have a guest, but you want to do uh, like a, an article review and talk about an article or something like that, I don't mind doing stuff like that too. If that's something you, know, sure. you like, you know, we can, you know, you, 
you know, I can pull down an article on, you know, civil affairs or something that comes out on, you know, the Modern War Institute or something like that, you know, read it and I can write my comments and you know, we can talk about it. Like, yeah, hey, yeah, you know, hey, Frank Kopchak yeah. wrote about this and yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's this, but you know, this guy has talked about this, you know, we can talk about some counter arguments and, you know. Sure. Yeah. And that might actually, I think the, um, the Ammonia Journal would appreciate that because when they publish, I don't mention it. I don't mention anything about the Ammonia Journal. Right. So right. to actually bring their, their papers in and, and discuss them yeah. to promote them, I think they, they'd get a kick out of that. Absolutely. I, I, I think so. I think it'll be, I think it'd be good. I, I mean, if we can even try to reach out to some of the authors. <laughs> we could gang up on the author. That'd be great. You could hit him with a question. I'll throw in a joke. I'll throw him off. And then you start hitting him with questions. And pretty soon they're like, ah, like, ah what's going on here? <laughs> Overwhelming. I just wanted to talk about my paper, man. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I don't mind. Or, you know, now we can just talk, you know, we can, we can just promote it and just talk about the article itself without the authors if, it, if it's hard to get a hold of those guys. Sure. Yeah, they've submitted it. So we could just pull it up and say, hey, by the way, there's this article that came out yeah. and just go through it, you know, the highlights and, and yeah. the main points. And I agree or I don't. Right. I spilled yeah. tea on it. I can't read the third paragraph. Yeah. Like, mm, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm not sure about the feasibility about this. Not sure if the army is going to want to pay for that, but okay. Good idea. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Jack, oh, one last question before I let you go. How long do you think, uh, do you see yourself doing this, uh, the 1CA podcast? I don't know, a year, a couple years. A couple years, yeah. okay. Right. But, um, yeah, I'll, 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 well, I'm going to try and take it up a level, okay. and then we'll we'll just see where it goes, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great platform. Uh, you know, it's, it's got a pretty good following within the civil affairs community. Uh, so, yeah, I, and I think outside of the CA community, too, so. Right, which I want to do. I want to expand the audience outside the CA community. Yeah, yeah, get people excited. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, you know, I think one, you know, one good interview would be, uh, you know, yeah, I, I know we're we're trying to get off of here, but one would probably be, you know, bringing how, you know, how civil affairs, you know, or how PAO can complement civil affairs activities, right? And just kind sure. of talking, you know, talking about that, right? Because I think that's a gap. That's, that is a gap. That is a gap that I've realized within the CA community was civil affairs really don't understand how to leverage some of the other capabilities outside of like operational type stuff. Absolutely. The magic triad is civil affairs, PSYOP, and PA. Right. When you get those three working in the field, you get all kinds of magic. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, you could certainly interview me on it since I've been the PAO of two COCOMs and write a lot of policy about it oh, so man. yes definitely let's do that one day okay yeah okay. let's do that i think it'll be a good one cool you yeah. have a good night i okay, think it'll be perfect. really great awesome okay okay talk and to i you. think i'm going to make this a separate conversation all right clean this up you know and put it out there i think it'll be good one ca is a product of the civil affairs association and brings in people who are current or former military diplomats development officers, or field agents to discuss their experiences working the last three feet of foreign policy. The goal is to inspire you and anyone interested in working on ground with partner nations and their people. Also, if you're interested in coming on the show or guest hosting, contact us at capodcasting at gmail.com. I'll have that email address in the show notes. 
And to find out more about the Civil Affairs Association, check out our website at www.civilaffairsassoc.org.